Father in heaven, it seems like time is just flying. I thought it was going to be longer, but it's going so quickly, Father. Every moment we have, Lord, we're preparing for eternity. And you know this, so I ask, Father, that you send the gift of your Holy Spirit in greater measure than the first two sessions, that you may write the realities of the times, write the reality of our condition, and write the reality of our high priest in our heart. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus, and we claim the merits of his holy and most precious blood. Amen. I would like you to open your Bibles with me to Revelation, the 14th chapter. Don't forget anything that we covered already. I gave you a very broad foundation, Revelation, the 14th chapter, and we're dealing with the stage is set. The stage is set. Revelation, the 14th chapter, and we're going to begin reading at verse number 9. Revelation 14 and verse 9, the Bible says, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his what? You ever ask yourself the question, why image? Why didn't the Bible describe it as something else? But the Bible uses this imagery on purpose. The beast and his image, whosoever wishes the beast and his image, the same, if any man wishes the beast and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascended up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day nor night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his what? Name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So I've asked myself the question, before, because I remember reading from the pen of inspiration where she says that this third angel, this third angel's message is justification by faith in verity. And I said, well, how in the world did she come to that conclusion based on this verse, these verses, this passage of scripture? What is justification by faith in verity? So the word I looked up, because I wasn't too familiar with it at the time, the word is verity. That word verity means realness, genuineness, truthfulness. So this passage, as commented on by our prophetess, says the third angel's message is, justification by faith, is the third angel's message in truth or in realness. Are you paying attention to what I'm saying to you? All right, so now with that idea in your mind, I began to investigate. I said, okay, Lord, well, how does this play in? If you go back to uh, Revelation chapter 13, I want you to look at verse 10. If I had a circle on the board, I would draw a circle, but I don't have one, but I'm going to just use your imagination. Revelation 13, 10, it says, He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Now, this, this phraseology used here to describe God's people fits within a time frame of the 1260 years. Does everybody follow so far? 
So there's 1,260 years of papal supremacy, and God describes his people that lived during this time as having patience and having faith. Does that, does that make sense so far? So now, what I want to do, let's go to the screen. The stage is set, and my subtitle is Imagination. The stage is set, Imagination. You can play around when you, you know, make titles. You go to Genesis chapter 6. In Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to begin reading at verse number 1. It says, And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. And they took them wives of all that they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, that the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bare children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is what? Imagination. The whole nation was corrupted because of their mind. The whole nation is corrupted. The whole world is in disarray because of their imagination. Question, what do you think about? What consumes the majority of your time? What takes the majority of your thoughts? For as you think, so you are. So if you're, on, if you're on the internet and you're browsing, you know, if you like basketball or if you like, the, you like the styles or you're looking at the next hip-hop video or you want to know the next movie coming out, if that's what you want to be, keep watching it. I'm not telling you to stop doing it. Just keep, if you want to watch horror movies and create all that adrenaline rush in your body, go ahead. Have a great time. If you, if you want to, you know, watch sex and pornography, and that's what you want to be, you think that's the highest that God has for you, keep doing what you do. Nobody's trying to stop you. But if you want to be like Jesus, and you want to reflect his character and his person and who he is, I challenge you to turn away from that which would pollute your imagination and turn to the image of God and his son. What do you say? I want to read something to you from Steps to Christ. It's page 70 and the second paragraph. Steps to Christ, and it's powerful. Steps to Christ, page 70, and it's the second paragraph. It says, a life in Christ is a life of restfulness. There may be no ecstasy of feeling, but there should be an abiding peaceful trust. Your hope is not in yourself. It is in Christ. Your weakness is united to his strength, your ignorance to his wisdom, your frailty to his enduring might. So you are not to look 
to yourself. Now, didn't Lucifer have that problem? He began to look at his. So you are not to look to yourself, not to let the mind dwell upon self, but look to Christ. Let the mind dwell upon his love, upon the beauty, the perfection of his character, Christ in his self-denial, Christ in his humiliation, Christ in his purity and holiness, Christ in his matchless love. This is the subject for the soul's contemplation. Interesting. This is the subject for the soul contemplation. It is by loving him, copying him, depending wholly upon him, that you are to be transformed into his likeness. Isn't that amazing? It is by loving him, copying him, depending wholly upon him, that you are to be transformed into his likeness. I remember back in the day, I used to listen to Mary J. Bligey. Mary J. Blige. I used to listen to Joe to see 112, where the players dwell. Black Street. Y'all don't know about that. That's before your time. And I remember listening, I used to listen to that. I used to work at Blockbuster Video. And at Blockbuster Video, when you work there, you can take five movies home every night. So I would take five movies. I would watch all of them. I would watch all the movies. I nearly watched every video that Blockbuster Video had out when I was working there. So when people came in, I was like, yeah, this is the best movie out here. This is Shawshank Redemption. You got to watch that. Morgan Freeman's on fire in this movie. I mean, I, this is how I was able to walk that thing in my mind. I love movies. Basketball? Please. I can dribble with my left hand and my right hand. I can shoot with my left and I can shoot with my right. That was nice. I used to, before I would go play, I would always go into, I had a ritual when I, before I went to the, to, to the playground. I always, they had an NBA video where they had the shortest basketball players and all their dribbling crossovers, so I would watch Tim Hardaway with his UTEP step, and I would watch it because I, I knew the principle, by beholding you become. So I knew that if I kept watching that thing over and over, I could adapt the move and it would be mine. I remember somebody come and tell me, uh, you're not supposed to play competitive sports. And I was like, you know what? You need to get out of my face. Don't quote Ellen White to me. Don't quote no Bible. You don't even know me, so why are you talking to me? You know, that's how, that's how I dealt with people on that religious tip. But one day, something started happening. I'm, I'm telling you my experience, right? And I'm telling you the realities of the power of when you behold. One day... Uh, I picked up the book called Desire of Ages, and I just started reading. I started reading. And when I was on Oakwood's campus, you know, they, they like playing basketball over there, so I would, every, I mean, I, every time I had, I was on the court. And every single song, I was always on the court. But I started reading the book Desire of Ages. I'm reading the book. I'm going through it. And I go to the court, and I feel an impression. Do not play today. Sit down and watch. So I said, okay. So I went, and I sat down, and I watched. As they were playing, a friend crossed his boy over, and dude fell on the ground, and I was like, ooh. And the spirit said, is that how heaven is? I said, 
And it was funny because the guy started, you know, they talk noise. So he's talking noise to his boy on the ground. And his boy tried to come back real hard on the other side of the court, tried to get him back. Tried to get him back, couldn't do it, came back down. Guy crossed him up again, jade in his eye. And then the spirit said, is that how heaven is? I put my bag up, I walked out the gym. Heaven wasn't like that. Not what I was reading about Jesus and his humility and his self-sacrifice. There was no beating the chest, dunking on somebody like, oh, you can't guard me. That has nothing to do with heaven. Again, now I'm reading the Desire of Ages. I'm looking at the life of Christ. I go to my room one day and I notice something that I didn't notice before. The stack of Mary J. Blige, Jodeci, 112, you know, all those brothers. I had not listened to them in over three months. The Spirit said, Andre, you see that stack right there? You haven't listened in three months. I was like, that's true. I don't need them. I took them. I don't know if you remember this, Alicia. I took them home. I had my little sisters there because I introduced my sisters to worldly music. I took my little sisters. I had my worldly CDs. I said, Angela, Alicia, look at this. <laughs> Broken one by one in front of them. And they were like, no, don't do it. And I'm like, <laughs> breaking every one. Well, how was I able to do that when before, if you tried to talk to me about it, I, couldn't, I would knock you out. Don't talk to me about my music. Don't talk to me about my basketball. Don't talk to me about what I'm eating. And don't you dare talk to me about how I'm dressing. But what changed? What, what took captive in my mind? Jesus did. I was watching and I was beholding and I was watching God condescend and take on human form and live a life of complete service and humility, and I said, I want to be like him. There's something that's awakened. My favorite quotation, I think it's Education 126, no, 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 it's uh, Education 192. It says, as the student of the Bible beholds the Redeemer, there's awakened in the soul the mysterious power of faith, adoration, and love. Upon the vision of Christ, the gaze is fixed, and the beholder grows into the likeness of that which he adores. That's powerful. If I can figure out who Jesus is, what he's about, then I'm watching him imperceptibly. I don't even really know it sometimes. My life starts reflecting his. And every once in a while, the Holy Spirit will say, Andre, check this out. You don't do that anymore. Like, oh, man. Don't do that anymore. Let me get that out of here. That is a more permanent change than someone who says, I'm going to stop doing this. I'm going to stop doing it. I'm just going to, I'm going to get it in there. Well, that change only lasts for a short time because that's your willpower alone. But you need to learn to place your will on the side of Christ. And when your will is placed on his side, your will becomes omnipotent. There's something about beholding the Lamb, keeping one's eyes fixed on Jesus, and there's access that we did not have before. By beholding, you become changed. What are you watching? What are you beholding? A whole nation, an imagination. Now, I'm not going to be able to get through this whole thing. Go back to Revelation, please. Revelation. 
chapter 13, and I'm going to skip a lot. Revelation chapter 13, let me see if I can get to verse 11. Revelation 13 and verse 11. It says, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake how? As a dragon. And he exercised all the power of the first beast before him, and caused the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Now, the phrase coming up means to grow up. This, this, this power, yeah, this power is growing. It's talking about the, the, the growth of this nation here in Matthew, Revelation chapter 13. And that, that word for grow, let me go back, that word for grow is anabino. It says, other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, and some 100. So the beast grows like a plant, Revelation 13. This beast grows up like a plant. Notice, how does a plant grow? According to Mark 4, 28, for the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. So the plant grows steadily. So the United States of America is growing like a plant. It's not at its full stature, but it's growing. Now, there's a reason why I'm highlighting this, all right? Keep, this, keep going here. Simply put, the plant grows in stages. Therefore, this kingdom will develop in stages. Talking about the United States. It'll grow in stages. What does the earth represent? Really don't have time to break all this down. But let me just pass it. Let me pass it, because I don't have time to go through all that. I want to get somewhere. You have to Write me or something, and I'll hook, hook you up with the information, you know. Surely the Lord God would do nothing unless he reveals his secrets into his service to prophets. So, the beast grows up, United States of America. I don't have time to prove to you that it's apostate Protestantism, blah, 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 blah. But I want you to see something in verse 13. It says, and he doeth great wonders, talking about this beast that comes out of the earth. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of these what? Does it say miracle or miracles? So it's plural, is that right? So this power that comes up out of the earth, apostate Protestantism, this power does miracles, and one of the miracles that it appears to do is to bring fire down from heaven. But it has an intention and it has a purpose. Notice, verse 14, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of what? So what's the purpose of the miracles? To deceive. Very good. The purpose of the miracles is to deceive. Going a little further. And deceive them by, that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which we have power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had a wound by a sword and did what? So the purpose of the miracles is to deceive, to gain the confidence of the people that they should make an that they should make an image. Interesting. The purpose of the miracles is to deceive, to get the world to make an image to the beast. You're going to see something in a moment, by God's grace. Notice here. Let me see if I put it properly. Deuteronomy. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 13. 
Deuteronomy chapter 13. I wish I had a whiteboard right now, but I don't. So no worries. Don't run and get one. Just stay with me. Deuteronomy 13. Watch carefully. It says, if there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and giveth thee a what? Sign or wonder. And the sign or wonder come to pass, whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou shalt not hearken to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God does what? What does he do? He testeth you, or he proveth you, to know whether ye will love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Ye shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice, and ye shall serve him and cleave unto him. So let's put the framework together. The first point that we have here that there is a prophet. Is that right? What does the prophet do? He dreams dreams and does what does he do? Size and wonders. So let's have a, let's, uh, if I'm making a graph, it's a, fa- it's a false prophet, and he's able to do signs and wonders. Everybody follow? The purpose of the signs and wonders is to get your confidence. Once he gains your confidence, he's going to say, let's go after other gods. Are you following? And the reason why he's going to say, let's go after other gods, the last point is, God allows this to prove you. Are you following the idea? Now, I saw that framework and the Holy Spirit illuminated my mind one day. Revelation 13, 11 through 15, it says, The beast from the earth is equivalent, the beast of the earth is equivalent to a false prophet. You go to Revelation chapter 16, it calls that power, that apostate Protestant power, it calls it a false prophet. The beast from the earth, false prophet, it does, the beast from the earth does wonders and miracles. Just like the false prophet does, signs and wonders. Are you paying attention? It gains the confidence of the people via the signs and wonders or wonders and miracles. The false prophet says, let's go after other gods. This prophet says, let's make an image to the beast. Same thing. It's the final test. God does it to prove you. Are you paying attention? So here, here's the final crisis. The question is, whose image are you forming? That's real simple, real basic concept. Whose image are you forming? Are you forming an image to the beast or are you forming the image to the sun? Go a little further. I want to show you something. And I'm just going to make, you know what, what, what has to happen when you have an army? You have to have reconnaissance, right? You got to know what's going on. Is the video ready, brother? Pay attention. A frog is a cold-blooded animal, and humans are warm-blooded. So our body burns energy or perspires to maintain the same 98.6 degrees. The cold-blooded frog's body temperature goes up and down with the temperature of its surroundings. Although frogs love water, when I hold it over this pot of boiling water, this frog is very uncomfortable and climbs to get away from it. The water in this pot is room temperature, 
69.4 degrees. So he's comfortable when I put him in. If I turn the burner on low flame, his body temperature will adjust and slowly he will heat up with the water. The water temperature has risen to 80 degrees and the frog is the same temperature and still comfortable. If I turn up the burner slowly again, he won't notice because he'll continue to change to be the same as his surroundings. When we started, I held the frog over the first pot of boiling water. He was uncomfortable and he tried to get away from the heat. But now, because we're raising the temperature slowly, he doesn't recognize the danger he's in. He just keeps going along with the changes in his surroundings. Eventually, we can turn up the burner to a deadly boil. He will just keep trying to adjust with it. By the time he realizes it's killing him, it's too late. He won't notice the time because he just keeps changing himself to go along with the changes in his surroundings. You guys all right? I don't think you'll forget that, right? Open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 16. It wasn't real. You all right, sis? It wasn't real. <laughs> Revelation chapter 16, verse 12. Notice what the Bible says. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the waters thereof were dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw what? I saw what? Three unclean spirits like what come out of the mouth of what and out of the mouth of what and out of the mouth of who for they are the spirits of what working miracles what do they do very interesting I, when I begin to try to in, understand what this is talking about right go back to Revelation 13 we just read here where this false prophet works miracles can I ask you a question? So the United States Army puts women in the front lines to um, go to war now, even though they made it a big rule. And then, you know, the church seems to want to reflect some of these same ideas. I'm just asking questions. In society, there's a progressive feministic movement, but then the church wants to reflect the same spirit that the world has. I'm just wondering if the spirits like frogs have begun to affect the people of God. Just asking a question. I made no statements. Think. Notice this. Oh, this is a, I, I looked up some things in regards to the frog. You don't have to worry about this. We'll get to this. That's another time. I wish, if you could turn this up. I'm sorry about this. I am. I'm on a, they literally, there's rain in the building. Look, it's falling on their heads right there. Hold on. Y'all don't understand it. So they're having church. 
and they're excited. They got the drums going and everything. And they're calling on the ladder ring. And a rain cloud comes into the building and it begins to rain inside their church. Wait, 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 wait. I'm telling you, unclean spirits like what? Working what? You're an army. You need to have reconnaissance. You need to understand what's happening already. You're late to the game. Do you guys understand? You are, do you understand? You're late to the game? You're late in the fight. They're already full assaults going on right now. You're late. It's time to double up. It's time to get the armor on. It's time to get the weapons. It's raining in churches already. What are you going to do against that? What Bible study are you about to give? Your girlfriend comes over. I just, Jesus, I fell in love with Jesus, and the Holy Ghost came, and the rain was in the room. What are you going to say? You need to be fully geared. Need to be fully geared. Next one. Yeah. See the glitter look? All right, the glitter. Now initially, initially when I'm watching this, right, I'm thinking somebody's blowing some dust through some vent, you know, and getting people excited. Not so, my friends. I'm gonna pass this one. I'm gonna go to the next one so you can see. It. Oh, this. Go back. Go back one. Yeah, that's it right there. They call it the glory cloud. And this is not being let in via event or anything. It just appeared in the church. And the people are excited. They're happy. They're having a good time. So before this starts, before he starts, this is the pastor of the church. So he wasn't there when that initially happened, when that first happened. So I was thinking, maybe he's going to be honest. Like, maybe he's going to tell me that this was a trick, that they were just doing something for fun. No. Watch what he says. Is it We've been involved in this, <clears throat> excuse me, this um, outpouring really for 15 years. And actually 16 years now. And we, in, in this journey, we've had the Lord show up and do a, a number of amazing things. One of the prominent things that we've seen in these years is the healing of people's bodies, the deliverance, deliverances from torment, restoration of families, all those kinds of things have been uh, so extraordinary, so amazing. Occasionally we have unusual things happen that we, I, I don't take a service for, I, I just don't, I'll make reference and then I leave it alone and that's typically my response to the signs that make you wonder. And uh, it would be about 15 or maybe 14 years ago, somewhere in that area, 14 years ago probably, that feathers started just appearing and falling in meetings. And then they started falling in our homes and in restaurants and things like that, just unusual things. So, you know, there are signs that make you wonder. There are, there, people say, where's that in the Bible? Well, he said he'd cover you with his feathers. Yeah, well, that's not literal, and that's what I thought. That's what I thought. I thought it wasn't literal. He's not joking. He's serious. It also says uh, there's healing in his wings. Should make somebody happy. 
But things like that happen. We'll have wind that will gust of wind that I'll get hit with. And I mean, not imaginary things, you know. I, people get weird, and I, I understand they want something. They want something supernatural bad, so bad they start imagining things. And I understand that problem will probably always be with us. But that is no reason to discount what he does do. <clears throat> and uh, we've had gold dust appear in people's hands for years. We, I don't ever talk about it, but frequently during worship, we actually had it today. Benny and I both saw gold will start falling during worship. This time I think it started falling during our prayer time. And we'll just see, just drop like rain. And, uh, and I mean, we just... You can't invite God into the house and not have something outside of your box happen. He's, he's just slightly... All right, that's enough. Do you, do you hear what he just said? Okay, so he's saying that for 15 years he's been having these experience, feathers dropping, people healing, feathers and wings. Is that good Bible study? Absolutely not. Gold appearing. He was going to talk about the cloud, but he's just taking way too long to get to that point. Supernatural occurrences happening in churches. Let me see. Maybe I have another one. Yes, this is it. The ones that, that uh, fell last night, right? Yeah, I saw them. A small church in the heart of San Juan, Puerto Rico has reported the appearance of thousands of gemstones in its sanctuary. Where are these stones coming from? Are they real? And why are they appearing at all? As remarkable as these events may sound, the story hasn't been featured in any significant news coverage. And indeed, aside from a few Christian media outlets, no one seems to be giving these incredible events any notice at all. The pastor of this church is Dennis Rojas, a man with a rather eventful background. When I was 16 years old, I received Christ as my personal and exclusive savior. I lived 12 years as a homosexual. I was a professional transvestite. But today I would like to thank God for the liberation and the transformation that he has done in my life through this 32 years that I have served the Lord. One of the reasons Pastor Dennis believes these chims are supernaturally appearing is that this church has dedicated itself to the focused worship and praise of God. These gems began appearing three years ago when Dennis became the pastor of the House of Restoration and Mercy. In this three years, we have had supernatural experiences, manifestations like the oil from the Holy Unction, manifestations of gold, silver, sapphires, topaz, emerald, rubies. God has sent the angel of precious stones and we have had manifestations of diamonds. It's really something. All right, that's enough of that, right? The music is creepy. So I'm going to ask you a question now. I, I'm ex I'm, what I'm showing you is that when you study the Bible, 
it's trying to prepare you for something. And that the warfare is already ongoing. The fight has already been in motion. Revelation chapter 13 is already in progress. I'm just wondering if you are ready for battle. I'm wondering if you have consecrated yourself wholly to God because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. As I'm in this room, I know angels that excel in strength protect this room. What I'm sharing with you right now, Satan hates that he even brought it up. The Bible says, Jesus says, go to John 14, 29. John 14, 29. And we're going to close. John 14, 29. The Bible says in John 14, 29, and now I have told you before it come to what? That when it is come to pass, ye might what? Do you believe? So he told you this is going to transpire. They're going to work miracles. They're going to work signs and wonders. And the man used the exact same phrase, signs and wonders. So now you see it. What are you going to do about it? How more serious is your prayer life going to be? Now that you see the enemy's already got his crew together, they're already organized, this system, we're, we're late in organization. They're already, con- they're already connected. They're already got their system ready to roll. They systematically chose the next pope. Nice and kind man. Gentle and kind and humble, and the posture has changed. Now they're making America, the, the, the Americans in this country, we're getting angry with our government. I didn't show you the other one. I was going to do Re- French Revolution this afternoon, but I said, no, let's not do that because that's way long. But they're intentionally making the populace upset at its government. Intentional. Purposeful. And they knew they didn't have to do the sequester. They did it on purpose to make people mad. So the more the people, people get mad, Satan will then have a group of people united in one thought, and they will demand of their government's changes, which they would have never demanded before. I, I don't have more time. Time is finished. I have, I'm tempted to keep going, but it's not about me. Keep going. Let me show you something. Let me show you something. Pass this. I'm going to show you something. And we missed it. When it happened, we missed it. I'm going to show you this. See this? The image of the beast. Once the image, once the image of the beast receives life, what does, the, what does it proceed to do? And we haven't identified the image of the beast yet, but I, it's a union of church and state. That's the image of the beast. The image of the beast should both speak and cause. To speak is to legislate. To cause is to execute force. Now watch. This is a video too. Can Listen to what Kennedy says. I believe in an America where the separation of church and state is absolute. Where no Catholic prelate would tell the president, should he be Catholic, how to act. And no Protestant minister 
would tell his parishioners for whom to vote. All right, you heard that? Who, who's that guy? That's our favorite president. Can you play the video for us? Mr. President, final question. Yes, sir. You said famously, when you looked into Vladimir Putin's eyes, you saw his soul. Yeah. When you look into Benedict XVI's eyes, what do you see? God. Good way to end the interview. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. Yes, sir. Thank you. So you have a president, JFK, say, look, I'm Catholic, but I'm, we're not trying to enforce anything Catholic in this situation. You got Bush saying, if you look at somebody and they're God, what are you going to do? You're going to obey. Is that right? Let's see if, let's see if Bush said he's going to obey. Let's see. Bush declares just the opposite. Why? Should the Pope of Rome be looked upon as God, and should his teaching be followed in our country? Watch this. The best way to honor Pope John Paul II, truly one of the great men, is to take his teaching what? Is to listen to his words and put his words and teachings into action here where? This is a challenge we must accept. Wait a second. I'm t all I'm saying to you is the stage is already set. I'm just letting you know all components of Revelation 13 are already in motion. That's all I'm doing. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. You ain't seen nothing yet, though. Watch this. Evangelicals. Watch the phraseology. Evangelicals respond to Catholic lawsuits. We are all what? We are all Catholics now. Now, if I just saw that one time, I wouldn't be so concerned about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, people do what they do when they want to do it. So I'll let them write what they want to write. But then when I start seeing it more than once, it says Obama administration's HHS mandate has united Christians of all stripes, evangelical, historical, Protestant, and Roman Catholic, as they close ranks behind a flurry of lawsuits filed yesterday morning to overturn the controversial measure and stall government interference in religion. Okay, we're all banding together. Why don't you play this one for us? When John F. Kennedy said that we are all Berliners, well, in many ways, thanks to President Obama, we are all Catholics now. <laughs> we are all standing together. You know, growing up a Baptist in the South, I never thought I'd see the day <laughs> when I would stand in front of several thousand people and say, we're all Catholic. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Pass the offering plate. It's time to get serious. What? I'm confused right now. Aren't you confused? I'm confused. I, so we saw an article that says, we are all Catholics now. And then we see this guy, who's one of the major Republican leaders, used to be a Baptist preacher, and he's saying we're all collectors now, and he's surprised that he's saying it, because he knows better. But wait, there's more. I, I thought this would be bad enough, but there's more. Watch this. This is Fox News. What's the title? Really? What? What's wrong here? See, I, I've learned a little bit about propaganda, and this is what they call propaganda. They repeat things over and over again, and they're consciously uniting a group of people together. It's intentional and purposeful. But wait, let's go a little further. What are you, what are you upset about? This is Penny, Penny um, Noose. She's, as the president and CEO of a faith-based public policy group, I believe that President Obama has made a mockery of our country's religious freedoms, and although my religious-based organization does not take definitive stance on contraception, in this case, we are what? Now, I understand how movement is generated. This is what kind of like army, you know how army works? Army has, um, as I've observed, they have a logo. They have a theme song. 
There are certain things that repeated that just showed uniformity. You follow what I'm saying? So it could be duplicated. It's a good thing. But when you use it for evil, it's not so good, right? And when you start seeing patterns in the world, you start saying, hey, this is an organized attack against God. Wait, there's more. I'm not done. This is not even, I'm, watch this. You guys know who this is, right? This is Glenn Black. You are seeing a, a high-stakes game at a level that most people, including me, do not even begin to understand. I believe the Vatican is actively engaged in a very different kind of battle than the one we normally think of. They are in a spiritual battle, but it will be physical as well. They are gearing up for a spiritual battle unlike anything we've seen. They know this is about good and evil, and they are watching even those around the Pope in the Vatican. Really? So let's, let's examine what he just said. Church is preparing for spiritual and what? Really? If I were to say to you the Adventist church is preparing for physical battle, you'd be like, what? What are you talking about? But it's right here. He's saying the church is preparing for physical and spiritual battle. Go a little further. How do you know this, Glenn? Tell us how you know. This is nothing but um, a massive hit in the face of Catholics. I tell you this because the Catholics know what they're up against, at least the ones in, at least the ones in the Vatican. I'm convinced of it. I met with them. I talked to them about this stuff. They know. What? So watch what he does. What, do you know human body language? I met with them. Did you see him do that? What's he doing? What is it? I met with them. I talked to them. I know. I have inside information. Okay, let's go a little further. Still not done. Watch this. Old. Once the president and the Soroses of the world take care of the Vatican, how hard will it be to pick off the Lutherans or the Mormons or whoever? The Jews, they're starting big. Your evangelical pastor and your evangelical church is a piece of cake. If you knock it off, because all you have to do is start to intimidate, those churches stand alone. Those churches rely on the, the parishioners, the congregants to come. And support. You cannot stand alone. And you cannot sit this one out. We are all Catholics now. Sounds like a nightmare. Isn't that strange? So what, is, what did the Bible say would happen? And all the world wondered after the beast. And what we're seeing is a groundswell of unity amongst the churches and unity amongst the world. And an image to the beast is being formed. And the only thing that's left is for life to be breathed into the image. That the image should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image to the beast should be killed. But you know God has a counterplay. You understand what I'm saying? See, actually, it's not even a counterplay. What you see right here... Is actually Satan's fear of what he sees transpiring right now. See, Satan is reactionary. He's always reacting to what God is doing. He sees that God is forming the image of his son in his church. And he's trying to counteract what he sees. 
Now, I'm going to put something here, and I just want you to think. I'm not even going to put it on the screen. I want you to think. Remember I told you about Calvary? What did I tell you the intent of Calvary was? What was Calvary? Not God's purpose, but Satan's purpose. What was Satan's purpose? To, to stop him from dying. Is that right? To have him come down. Is that right? I want to share something with you. I've never told anybody in public this, but I want to tell you in public. The purpose of the National Sunday Law and the Mark of the Beast is to get you to save yourself. You won't, able, you won't be able to buy or sell unless you have what? The mark. So what does he want you to do? He wants you to take the mark to sow your submission to his kingdom in order for God's image not to be seen in you. The National Sunday Law is like Calvary. It's going to separate the wheat from the tares. It's the test to prove whether or not you really love Jesus. It's the test. As the lamb before the slaughter, are you willing to go to Calvary? That's what the Sunday Law is. Are you willing to go through the crisis for the Savior? Are you willing to go through the test for him? It's the least that I could do. Did you hear what I said? It's the least I could do. You weren't there when my mom and dad were getting a divorce. None of you were there. None of you were praying for me. You weren't there when I was crying in my closet. You weren't there when I was struggling with my sin. I remember going to church, completely busted. I mean, like, I didn't want to talk to anybody. My parents are, again, going through their craziness. And I came to church, nice suit on. Pastor called for a special prayer. And I came down. Everybody was, like, hundreds of people were there, and I came down, and I got on my knees. And I remember being on my knees. My heart is completely busted. You have to understand, I love my family. I love my, fa- my parents. I love, I love them. Everything that I thought I was, I find my identity in them. You know, you know what I'm saying? What I'm saying? I'm on my knees. And as I'm on my knees, I begin to cry uncontrollable tears. Like, I couldn't stop crying. Even if I tried to stop crying, it wasn't stopping. I just kept crying and crying and crying and crying. I just couldn't stop crying. And as I'm on my knees... I said a simple prayer. I said, God, I, had, I said, you got to do one of two things for me. I said, either you have to bring my parents back together, or you have to give me what the Bible says is peace that passes all understanding. You have to do one of those two things for me, or else I'm going to die. And I'm not lying to you. I'm on my knees in the front, and it was as if a hand came and touched me on my shoulder. And it touched me, but it went through my shoulder. And it went to my heart. And my heartbeat slowed down. And the tears on my face dried up. And there was peace. It 
it was peace. There was no promise from heaven to say, Andre, your mom and dad are going to be back together. But the Bible says that when you have submitted yourself to God, there is peace that passes understanding. Because you weren't there and you did not save me and you did not die for me, I will live for him. And if he says go through the Sunday law, the crisis, your honor, I'm privileged if you would even select me for this, such a thing. I would be privileged, Lord, if you select me for that crisis to represent you. I could be a part of that group that finishes the work. If you would choose me, I'll be honored. I would be honored. A no good rotten scoundrel like me. I would be honored. If you want to make that choice with me this morning, I just want you to come and let's pray. Let's kneel together if that's all right. Father in heaven what a wonderful wonderful privilege to call you our father we come this morning because of your great love for us we are submitting ourselves to your command and your generalship and your leadership the 144,000 are described as following the lamb wherever he goes and father we see the lamb go to Calvary father we've been afraid to go there So we come now. We come now. Please help us and enlist us in active duty. Please awaken us from this slumber while the enemy is making his quick advances.
Teach us how to put on the whole armor, Father. Help us to have that all prayer, constant communion with you. Please, Lord. This is so, we're so weak in that area, Father. We're so weak in our prayer life. You know it. You see us. We don't know how to study. We don't have patience in our study. We're so consumed with the things of this world, Lord. Please give us a clear revelation of your dear son. That the great plan that you have for us, the high, the high and lofty goals that you set for us. And Father, we ask that you take our hearts, for we cannot give them. They are your property. We ask that you keep them, for we cannot keep them ourselves. We ask that you raise us into a pure and holy atmosphere, that the rich currents of your love may flow through our soul. I pray for each one under the sound of my voice, Father, that you write clearly, etch it into their minds, the realities of our time and the realities of their Savior. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, and we claim the merits of his holy and most precious blood. Amen. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.